Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook with Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswijk from RPA Wealth Management. In this podcast, we cover current events, retirement planning strategies, and provide you with the tools to help you build a successful retirement playbook in any political or financial landscape. Join Brent, Matthew, and Joshua as they navigate the issues that can make the later stages of your retirement plan challenging and help you create the best retirement plan playbook. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook Podcast. I'm Brent Pasqua, and I'm here with Matthew Thiel and Joshua Winterswijk. And today we are just so beyond excited to be joined by Caitlin Whittaberry from Wit Travel Company. Caitlin is a seasoned travel advisor who will be sharing her insights on how to make the most of your golden years by planning the ultimate dream vacation. And Caitlin really does have the inside scoop about how to make your retirement travel dreams really a reality. So let's get into it. Um, let's talk about like, I want to know first, like what's the best trip you've ever been on? Oh gosh, oh, that's a hard question now. For me, I think my, my favorite trip was actually a trip that I took solo. Um, a few years ago, prior to COVID, I actually moved abroad. And so I was with a, a work from home program and a work remotely program. And we actually switched countries every month. So I started in Croatia and went to Germany and then went to the Czech Republic. And during that time, I did a lot of solo travel just on my own on the weekends. It was really awesome. I went to Copenhagen and Stockholm and to Iceland. So that for me, since I was by myself and it was my first big trip kind of on my own, that was really fun. I also went to Australia um, right before the pandemic. Oh my goodness, Australia is fantastic. And we did the Outback, which was really cool. Almost otherworldly. And then we also did the Whit Sunday Islands, which are beautiful, beautiful. If you've never seen them, they're gorgeous. So is it sometimes like the experience that makes a trip better or is it somewhat like just the destination or is it like a combination of all of them? It's both for me. I, you know, part of what's fun is the travel journey. I love being at the airport. The energy there is so much fun. I really like packing. I don't, I'm not, I'm probably in the minority for that, but just really the prep work is, you know, you're going to someplace you've never been before. And part of it is just the experience of it being new and it's exciting and you really don't know what you're going to do when you're there or who you're going to meet. So for me, it's kind of both. And then of course the destination is amazing as well. Do you go to destinations multiple times? I do, especially, you know, destinations that offer almost too much to see in one trip. Um, we were talking about it prior to the show starting, but Italy is one of those destinations. You could spend months in Italy and it feels like you've changed countries every couple of um, regions you move it's it's really special being a travel advisor seems like probably like one of the neatest jobs out there tell us a little bit about what you do and how you do it yeah and it is a it's a wonderful job I'm I'm very very blessed to to work in this field it's really about um, getting to know your clients though so for me my relationships with my clients are the most important thing to me I really travel now for them when I'm abroad and when I'm on work trips, I'm looking for hotels and experiences that I know specific clients are really going to enjoy and that I can come back from my travels and tell them all about it and plan their their experience there too. I got into the business actually from uh, meeting another advisor. I was working in marketing at the time and I really loved who I worked for in marketing, but I just wasn't passionate about it. 
And she, I mean, gosh, it's so easy to be passionate about travel. And so I started talking to her about her job and she connected me with um, her parent agency. And it's been a lot more work than I think I initially anticipated. It's a very self-starting business. It's also very, it's really a 24-7 job. So if I always tell people if they're interested, just be aware of that. You have to be available to your clients. But I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's, it's the best fit for me. Because people are in different time zones traveling, when you have clientele that are all over, do you just have to have your phone and email on all the time in case <laughs> things come up? And does that you know, happen? I do because I, I want to be available. However, I do have um, contacts on the ground in each destination, especially when it's a time zone that's really like 12 hours behind or ahead. So there are contacts for my clients to reach out to 24-7, and that's usually their first line um, of defense if something were to go wrong. And if that isn't resolved with that first contact, I'm available to them. Got it. Yeah. How long have you been doing it? About three years. Yeah, got started three years ago. So that would be like right before the pandemic? It was right before the pandemic. I did not time it very well. I, <laughs> I actually left my job in marketing January 2020. And then I was all excited and starting to plan, and then the world shut down. But I actually learned more in that first year, rerouting clients, trying to find alternative destinations, and really helping to cancel things. And it was a lot of, of, I guess, learning in that first year. And so I'm really thankful for that time. I think it's made me a stronger advisor. Were you able to travel during that time to go to destinations? We, we did. Um, my fiance and I did quite a bit of local travel. We did a lot of the national parks during that time. So we did lots of road trips, which was fun. And um, we went to Mexico a few times as well. So just, you know, a little closer to home, which was fine. That's interesting navigating. Like you started through COVID and then there's so many like travel restrictions and things you have to be mindful of. So Absolutely. I'm sure you learned a ton through that period. Yes. For me, it's almost the job's almost gotten easier because... As we're seeing COVID restrictions are, you know, starting to lift, mm-hmm. um, there's fewer now than there were just even just a few months ago. I, of course, help clients navigate those guidelines, but luckily we're seeing them start to fade. So there's less barrier to entry, which is always nice. How, if somebody reached out, how do you help them? So for me, I, I really want to learn about where they find value. For clients that are traveling somewhere for the first time, really learning about the hobbies and activities they enjoy at home is what's most helpful because I can obviously recommend specific destinations or um, activities that they're really going to enjoy because of what they enjoy doing at home. I also talk about hotel amenities that they really are must-haves or that are nice-to-haves. Also, we talk about budget to make sure that we're kind of staying within their parameters. Um, For me, too, it's, it's about helping them find destinations that really speak to them. I think there's so much information out there And it's great. The internet is a wonderful tool, but there's a lot of clutter too. There's a lot of reviews that, you know, you may not know if you agree with Joe from Texas on his opinion of this hotel. I learned that from TripAdvisor. (laughs) Yeah. You can't trust it. Right. And and I don't want to downplay all of them because there are some really great resources out there, but it's just difficult as an individual to really know what you're reading and who, who wrote it. So the whole job of a travel advisor is to learn about you and your preferences and help make suggestions that are much more in line with how you want to travel. I guess that's a really good point because you could lose out on a lot of really good um, experiences if you're just paying too close attention to reviews and 
random people just don't want to say nice things about places. Right, right. I, it's hard because most of the reviews are on the extremes, right? It's someone who had a mind-blowing experience and just really blew their expectations away or they had a terrible experience. And there's really no middle ground or there's less middle ground with an experience that met expectations and was solid. And so you're kind of getting, it's polarizing, I believe. And it's, it can kind of muddle things a bit. What I've learned is my expectations are higher than most people. So like if they had a good trip, then I'm like, yeah. It'd probably be like a C minus for me. Oh, <laughs> your your expectations are that much higher. <laughs> well, yeah, like when you look at like TripAdvisor and any of those reviews. So even like if you look at like a Yelp site, right? Like a Yelp restaurant review, you're like, eh, yeah, this person probably doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, it's true. You just got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. Yes, and really, when you work with an advisor too, you're you're working with a group of people and or a team of people that are fairly discerning travelers. I would say that um, I think I look at things with a completely different eye now, being in this industry. So you can pretty much trust your advisor on their recommendations because it's not a general public recommendation. It's somebody who's seen many hotels, has traveled quite extensively. That's part of our job. Yeah, can you pick out the good stuff and the bad pretty easily? I can. It's, it's actually pretty interesting even to me, the things that I notice and pick up on now as a more seasoned traveler and, and really being in this field it's a lot harder to impress me than it used to be, which is which is a good thing. It's part of the job. I have to kind of narrow things down. So my clients are almost guaranteed to have a, a really positive experience. Yeah, a lot of our clients are uh, retirees or getting closer to retirement. What's the best way for them to plan their trips? Really think about what you guys enjoy doing and what are some of the trips you've taken in the past that you've really enjoyed. And also think about how active you want to be. Some of my, my retiree, my Some of my retired clients really enjoy places that are easy to walk around. So London is a really great option. There's, it's a very easy city to navigate. There's no barrier with language. So that kind of helps with it being a little bit easier. Also Copenhagen's a great destination. It's fairly compact, but also easy for pedestrians. It's also a great cycling city. So if you're into those types of things, really thinking about your interests and also being realistic with how much walking you want to do, how much moving around that you want to do, that'll all narrow down your ideal options. You know, my dad's never been to Copenhagen, but I bet he'd really like it because you're right, it is big on cycling and he likes to cycle. He doesn't like to walk. He's got a bad knee. I'm going to suggest that to him. That's a good idea. He would love it. I was there for even just a few days and I rented a bike and tried to live like the locals do. Their bike system is fantastic. They They have a whole lane dedicated to cyclists and they actually have their own light System. So the whole process is, is much safer than it is here. And really, you I think there's more cyclists there than there are cars, which oh, wow. is nice. And that's pretty common for Europe in general. So what's the best? So I guess when, a, when somebody calls in, you get kind of a, a, a better idea of what they're looking for, what their capabilities are. And then you can start to narrow down different destinations or, or going based off of destinations they've been before. You can really start to narrow down what they like and don't like and then pick a really good place. Absolutely. During my new client consultation is what I call it. We get on the phone and I really ask them a lot of questions. It's a time for me to get to know them, their preferences, what amenities are really important to them, trips they've taken in the past that they've loved, but also trips that they've taken that they didn't love and why that was. So we can kind of narrow down the best options for them. Um, I also ask favorite foods and in terms of restaurants that they like. So when we get into 
the more detailed part of the itinerary, I can really make sure that my suggestions are are tailored specifically to them. Retirees could be at times on more of a, I guess, fixed income where, you know, because they are retired, you're not making the type of money that you were when you were a salary worker. So like, what are some cost effective ways that you could travel once you're retired? Especially people who want to travel multiple times a year, you can't go all out and spend it all on one trip. Like, how do they do it in a cost effective way? Absolutely. My favorite tip is to travel during shoulder season, especially if you're retired, your schedule may be more flexible than it used to be, which is really great. So I tell clients, and it does depend on the destination, but really avoid the summer. If, you know, let's say you're going somewhere like Amalfi, the high season for Amalfi is end of May to about mid-September. So if you can avoid that time and travel just outside of it, so early May, late April, late September, early October, the weather is much better. The prices are much more competitive. And you're also not going to be dealing with the crowds. For me, I don't like to be in the shuffle of a bunch of people. It kind of takes away from the experience. So if you're traveling during just outside of peak season, you tend to have less people to deal with. And and the locals, I think, are are friendlier because they're not dealing with swarms of people. Right. What are some of the sort of, I guess, best retiree vacation destinations where if someone's, you know, they do have certain restrictions or just things that places that retirees do like to enjoy going the most? I think one destination that a lot of my clients that are retirees enjoy is South Africa. It is quite a journey to get there. So that's something to keep in mind, but it's, it's really planned for you once you land. Um, there are some amazing safaris that take you around to see the most amazing wildlife in the world. And it's really kind of catered to your activity level. There are some safaris that will have you walk between camps, which is for a more adventurous traveler, I'll admit. Um, but there are some that take you in really wonderful Jeeps and they take you to lunch that's prepared for you out in the safari. It's it's really great. That's a great destination for for people who want to go somewhere that's maybe they haven't seen before and still have a comfortable experience. That's such a great recommendation. Brent, Josh, have either any of your clients gone to South Africa? Yeah, I've had clients that have gone. Oh, you I, have? I think yeah, I've had one or two. I, and I don't remember exactly if they loved it or not, but yeah, we've had a... Yeah, a most of my clients seem to stick to the beaches or the... Um, uh, I guess Northern Europe. That's most popular. Southern Europe. But something that Caitlin said That's too good. that like just popped in my mind is like how navigatable is the the city, right? You said like, is it more condensed? Is it easy to get around? Is it flat? Those are some things that like maybe I don't, I didn't think of now, but especially for even like parents, grandparents, clients, like that's a pretty big like factor in, in calculating a trip. Absolutely. It's like as much as I love like San Francisco, it's not the easiest destination to walk around. It's quite hilly. So it's something to keep in mind, just depending on your activity level or the, the group, you know, is a multi-generation group. You have to be considerate of every member of the party. So yeah, a travel advisor will help you narrow those things down. I, I feel like a safari in Africa is like one of those things in your lifetime you just probably have to do. Yeah, I'd love to do it. Can you take kids on those? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's called, take it. uh, it's called San Diego Wild Park. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how far, uh, how long the flight is? It depends on where you're starting from, but I believe it's about 17 hours from Atlanta. So it's, that's, it's a long journey. Okay. I always tell people, I mean, it's absolutely worth it, but it's just something to prepare yourself prior to because it's, it's a pretty long flight. Yeah, that sounds like a really long flight. It's basically like flying to Australia then in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've done that flight. You know, if you're 
in a comfortable seat, it's it's a much better experience. But just bringing the right things on the plane. I am a light sleeper, so earplugs are really important for me. An eye mask is really important. And I always tell clients, wear really comfortable shoes when you travel because you don't know how long you're going to have to wear those shoes. Flights are delayed. I mean, we've seen things happen. So just make sure you're prepared to be comfortable if necessary. That makes sense. Is there any suggestions that you have really to make travel easier, whether it's preparing or, or during travel, but just to make that experience, I guess, easier? Really think about your comfort, like we talked about before. Wear comfortable clothes, wear layers. And we all know this, but it's, I think, worth saying we, you might be traveling to a place that the weather is different, so make sure you have appropriate clothing for when you land. Um, for me, I always get local currency prior to my travels. Your banks can do this for you. Um, there's actually a couple of areas that will exchange currency depending on where you live. I just like to have this for for tipping my, my transfer driver um, when I get to the hotel. Then you're not stressed about having to go pull out cash. So that's one of my tips to make your first day. Of- that's a really good recommendation. Yeah. I agree and with that. You have to get a lot, you know, get a couple hundred dollars and I'd like to get smaller bills. I think if you do go through your bank, you need to request it fairly early. So I believe it's four weeks out from your trip. Um, it might be two weeks, but just check with your, you know, your bank. Um, and they do charge a small fee, but I think it's worth it. They'll ship it to your house, which is really nice to have before you arrive. Also, um, my best tip for like jet lag is to try to land early in the morning of your destination to fly overnight and then to drop your bags at the hotel. I mean, you can go and freshen up. Just don't lay down, <laughs> whatever right. you do and go outside, be in the sun. That really helps your body's circadian rhythm kind of on track with this new time zone. So walk around, you know, schedule a walking tour and stay up as late as you can. It, you may not make it perfectly that first night and that's okay, but really staying up and being out in the sunshine helps. Have you seen um, Zac Efron's show on Netflix? No, I haven't yet. Okay. I need to he check like it tra- out. He like travels. And one of the tips for jet lag is funny that you said that is um, like, go when you land immediately, get out, go out and go. And then also take your shoes off, like go like walk in the grass. Cause it like grounds you. That's a really um, great tip too. I hadn't heard that one. So like you, like you it. become one with like where you're at and they said that uh, it works great. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Cause that'd be hard to lose a whole day. Like if you're, if you're there early, and then you lose that rest of that day. I mean, that that's kind of a waste if you're just sleeping the whole time. It is. Well, and your body's going to want you to rest. It's. I mean, it's traveled a long distance. That's hard on your body anyway. And I, I really encourage clients to try to fight against it because if you do end up staying on your previous time zone, it, it's really hard to get back on track. That first day might be the hardest to stay awake, but you'll have a better rest of your trip because of that first kind of tired day, I guess you can say. And really for me, melatonin helps too. Um, Talk with your doctor, of course, before taking, but that helps if you're arriving at a destination, then you have to sleep right away and you're not quite tired. That helps me kind of relax and and get back on, on track. Do you recommend that people plan out every aspect of their trip, like where they're going to eat, where they're going to go, like how they're getting picked or do you, or do you recommend like some people just go and, and experience it? I think it really depends on the traveler, but for me, I prefer to leave. It's a little cheesy, but I call it leaving room for the magic. Part of what's great about travel is exploring a new destination, and you don't really know what you're going to find. And if you have every moment of your trip planned, one, it can feel like a job, which is not the point of travel. And it also can feel really rigid, and there's just little room for the suggestions you get from the concierge or from a local that you meet at the bar. Those are 
really special things that I think you need to leave room for in your itinerary. Of course, if you have experiences that are must-dos, you know, restaurants that are places you really want to go visit, by all means, make those arrangements ahead of time. But make sure you leave a little bit of room for, for some spontaneity as well. I feel like those are probably some of the best experiences that you can have on a trip or things that just come up randomly. Absolutely, yes. I mean, that's part of why we travel. It's for those unknowns, right? right. And some of the exciting. best recommendations I've gotten, like you said, are like you run into a local at the bar and they tell you to you know go check out this restaurant or cliff Absolutely. and the views. And um, those are a lot of times the best. Definitely. I mean, we, we do this for a living, but we're, we're not living in these destinations. So sometimes locals are, are even more knowledgeable than we are. Yeah. They're a great resource. I know over time, all-inclusive hotels have become p- more popular. Are they worth the money, or are you just kind of, is it just a lesser experience? It, it, no, they can be. It, it really depends. All-inclusives are a very tricky hotel option to navigate. I've actually been on all-inclusives that I really enjoyed. Of course, I've been on some that I did not enjoy. So I think talk to your travel advisor and make sure you explain to them what's really important to you the overall vibe that you want from the trip and they'll help you navigate the options as there are quite a few that I wouldn't recommend. So it's just, I think it's person. It's a personality thing, right? Like some people are going to like really enjoy that. And then other people are like, no, like I don't want to eat the hotel food every night. I don't want, you know, I want to choose my own alcohol or I want to go to the restaurant down the street. Right. Exactly. It depends on the destination too. I mean, primarily they're in the Caribbean, which is, which is fine because usually those trips, the resort is a big part of the destination. In Europe, they actually have a couple of properties that will do half boards. So you'll have breakfast and dinner included, which is kind of an all-inclusive. And then you're on your own for lunch if you're out in town exploring. Um, Those options can be great if the property is known for their food. And there are some that I would recommend, and then there's some that I would steer clients away from. So it just depends. Yeah, it seems like, you know, if, if you want to go to a destination, you don't want to do much exploring, you don't want to worry about going to different restaurants. Like those could make sense, but then you're taking, that's a different type of trip. You're going for more relaxation and being exactly. convenience, I guess. Right. And that's when the, the, the hotel selection is really important because you'll be staying on property. And that's part of the reason why you're traveling is to enjoy the property. And that's, those are great trips too. They're just different. What are the best ways to book a cruise? Cruises are, there's, gosh, there's so many cruises. There's so many different routes that they go on. Cruise ship sizes vary quite a bit. And also the layouts of the ships are, are I think, a little bit difficult to understand. If you talk to your travel advisor, tell them what um, is important to you for this particular cruise. Also, if you really want to experience the ship itself versus the ports that you go to, um, there are certain cruise lines that really focus on giving you enough time in port so that you're experiencing that destination. And then some are really about the ship, which is fine too. So just talk to your travel advisor about what's important to you on this specific one. And really, I find that clients will gravitate towards one cruise line. They'll try a few and they, they have one that the clientele that's there is really similar to them and they meet friends on these cruises and the food is really what they enjoy. So you'll find one and potentially take another one with that cruise line in the future. So when I was a little kid, um, I went on a cruise and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and then like we did another one. It was pretty fun. And then I went as an adult and I was like, nah, th- this isn't for me. Like, I, I, cru- Really? Yeah. Like a cruise is not for me. I don't think I'll ever go on another cruise again. In my I life. like cruises. I think they're they're a good time. Have you ever got seasick on the ocean? No, but 
I mean, no. I've been on enough cruises. I got sea legs. Yeah, you guys don't have sea legs. Got sea legs, man. Never... Those big deep sea fishermen in high school. <laughs> hey, what is, what is not... it that you don't like about cruises? Um, I don't like feeling like I'm trapped on the boat. Um, I get a little claustrophobic. The rooms are usually a little bit smaller. Um, you know, it's kind of like has that all inclusive feel where the food's usually the same every night. Uh, I like know. a river cruise then. Those so, tend to be smaller in size. There's less people on board, and the food is in my opinion, better. So my, you're just taking the wrong cruise. Yeah. Well, no, my, my parents do a lot of river cruises okay. and they really like it. But since my parents like it, I'm like, yeah, that's probably not for me. <laughs> <laughs> not quite there yet. I yeah. think that's what's years. fun about the cruise though, because I've gone on a few cruises as well. Um, not recently, but um, like done the Caribbean stuff like that. But we've gone in like big groups and like with a big group, like it's a lot of fun. Like they have like just tons of activities. And I feel like it was more of like a family bonding experience as well. Um, and I, I had a lot of fun on them, but I haven't also been on one in a while. So we're saying this now and watching like two years, we're going to be doing the podcast. I'm like, Oh yeah, guys, I'm going on a cruise for a week. <laughs> Matt's going to be how, selling us on an RPA cruise yeah, like how, for work. You guys are like, how do you get suckered into a cruise? <laughs> it's really great. If you want to keep everyone in one place, if you're worried about, you know, the stragglers and stuff, they're great for that. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, speaking of group travel, a lot of our clients like at times to take their whole family on trips, whether it, you know, their kids, their grandkids, and they want to create a memory that, you know, is, is really great for the whole family. So what are some really good ways and types of ways that people can travel in groups? I think this is one of the trickiest types of travel to plan is when you have so many different opinions and, and of course, palettes to please. So I tell clients to really be realistic and kind of get the group together prior to reaching out to your advisor. Talk about what's important, where expectations lie. Of course, budgeting is really important. Everyone's opinion of where money should be allocated is is very different. So just be sure everyone's on the same page with those things. Um, and try and pick destinations that we were talking about earlier that are really um, palatable to different personalities and also different mobility types. That's my best advice to give. Also, if you can keep it on a smaller scale, that usually helps. The large, large groups tend to be more difficult to plan. Um, And if you do plan travel with friends, try to select friends that seem to value the same things that you do. They seem to like the same types of restaurants that you do. That tends to lend to more efficient and easier travel when you're with a group. The difference of opinion is a recipe (laughs) for disaster. (laughs) Exactly. And of course, you can never avoid it completely, but trying to help or trying to... um, to prepare for those conversations ahead of time sure. is helpful. Yeah. yeah, I guess if you have a different expectation on restaurant than other family members or other, other people you're traveling with, and then you're going, one wants to have a very expensive dinner versus one doesn't want to pay that type of money for expensive, that seems like it could be a, a bad situation. It can cause some tension, definitely. Yeah. And really, some people, when they travel, they want to sit on a beach, and that's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people want to go, go, go. So you, just, you have to know your crowd, your, your group. I prefer the pool, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a sand guy. Yeah, no judgment. I'm like that too sometimes. I like, just like to enjoy the property and not move around. What types of destinations do you find that people really enjoy the most? Oh, that's a good question. Can you narrow that down or is it too hard? No, I think it, it's, it's more it depends on what the individual finds fun. So I found that travel that really is surrounding an interest is where people really seem to come back and have raving reviews. So I have clients that really love to travel um, to different wine regions around the world. That's um, also a passion of mine. 
Also, if it's travel that's celebratory, so of course my honeymooners always come back and have a great time, but also if you're celebrating retirement, I mean, this is the first time in probably a long time that you've had this much time off. And that for me is a really special trip to plan for clients. Also destinations that maybe weren't on clients radar prior, if we've rerouted them from a destination that maybe wasn't going to work with their timeline, those trips seem to really be what takes people by surprise. And they come back, they had no expectations going in, or there wasn't any prior influence on their, I guess, their expectations prior. So those trips tend to be really special for people. What's the best way to find if you're going to a destination that you've never been before? Um, like what resources do you use to find the best restaurants? Because I find that that's part of the, one of the most important parts about traveling is like you want to try different good food. Like how do you do that? Absolutely. Um, I will say make sure that your travel advisor is well-versed in this field as well. Because really what they find good is what they're going to recommend to you. So that's my top tip if you're working with an advisor. Travel and leisure is a really great resource for a lot of just travel topics. I find that the places they recommend food-wise are really great. Thrillist is really good too. Um, They have some good restaurants as well. And then, I mean, of course, Michelin's wonderful. If that's up your alley, I've never been disappointed with one of their recommendations before. Yeah, travel and leisure and then um, the Michelin guides are great. I agree. Fantastic. Um, do you book flights and like what is sort of your recommendation on how people handle flights? Yeah. So I actually have an air team that books my clients flights for them and they're fantastic. They're very helpful. They um, actually have a 24 hour helpline. So if you find that your flight has been delayed or canceled, they're always there to help and you're not sitting on hold with the airlines rep because we know how difficult that can be, especially as of late. For my tips for flying, I always recommend a book the earliest flight that you can in the day. Delays tend to stack on themselves. So the earlier in the day that you can fly, hopefully it goes smoothly because there's no other flight that's disrupted your flight. Right. Mm -hmm. If someone came to you and said, hey, we want to spend X amount of dollars this year in in trips and we want to take three trips, are you able then to narrow sort of the areas down and then say, okay, we can allocate this much money, this trip, this and next, and kind of plan it all out for them. Oh, absolutely. And it really depends on the destination and the time of year. Something that we do is really help people allocate their money so they get the best value from their trip. I mean, this is an investment, not only in time, but in money. And we really want to make sure that we're spending money, not just to spend it, but that the value is there and that the experience is going to be enhanced from where we allocate their investment. And then how do you get paid also when you plan a trip for somebody? Yeah, so hotels actually compensate travel advisors. And then also for really involved trips, um, there are usually planning fees involved. And it just depends on the the complication of the trip and the involvement that the advisor will have. And then you were saying that they can go to your website and it kind of lays out sort of how that kind of works and the detail of that. Absolutely. Yes, it's all laid out for you. So you can kind of see um, different options depending on the type of travel that you're looking for. I think it's such a no-brainer if, you know, you're, you're have compensation that's really just paid a lot of times too from the hotel you might as well use your expertise and have probably a much better experience you're getting the most bang for your buck as a traveler because you're using somebody else's knowledge absolutely and over time your relationship with your advisor is really where the value is we're we're learning about you and your preferences and what you guys enjoy every every client is so different no two trips i've ever planned have ever even looked the same at all and that that's part of the goal Every client 
is, is different and my relationships with them only get better with time. Um, if someone wants to get in, in touch with you to plan their next trip, how should they get in contact yeah. with you? Yeah, um, there's a couple ways. So I do have a website. It's www.wittravel.com. And then I also have an Instagram if they're on social media, so they can find me that way. And yeah, please do reach out. I was browsing your social media, um, <laughs> I think last night, and uh, you have some cool looking photos from trips you've been on. So, Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. This job does allow me to travel quite a bit. And like I said earlier, now my travel is really focused on learning what I think that clients will really enjoy and taking back with me kind of a broader perspective. Perspective. Thank you on, on these different destinations. I think social media is great at that, sharing photos and maybe even some caption to kind of get an idea or, you know, inspiration even for a trip. Um, So that's really cool that you have that offer. I think we can even link her Instagram into the show notes. Yeah, we'll we'll include all that with the link to your website. Um, Hopefully some people reach out and uh, we'll definitely push our clients your way when they they look to retire. Thank you. Look, she already helped you. Cruises. Well, well, yeah, we well, decide that's a few years down the line. Yeah, well, my, parent, my parents like that, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I'll probably be on like a carnival before I'm on a riverboat cruise. I, I, I just don't. See, <laughs> I, I don't see. I don't see boat. you on a carnival cruise. That's just. I don't see you there. But. You don't see me there with like maybe like my my wife's family or anything. No. Okay. No, no. All right. Not yet. <laughs> Not, Not yet. yet. I don't okay. think you're gonna go to that you yet. Know, go ahead. One thing that I really like that that you said though um, through the podcast too, just as we're wrapping up here, is like leave some room for magic. Really liked that because I think that surprises and having some um, spontaneous adventures on travel is some of like the best memories. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take that for clients and, and share that if okay. you don't mind. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that my experience working with a travel advisor and with you guys has been just incredible because it just completely changed the way that I travel and look at traveling. And, and I know so much more about what I want because those questions have been asked. And now I know what I'm looking for and I know that I can find that experience. And it just leaves so much less room for air, I guess, because if you're going to a destination the first time, you've never been there. If you do that, you know, you're going to miss out. Now you could say after it, well, next time, if I go, I would do these things, but who knows if you're ever going to be able to go back again. So to get the most out of a destination, it seems like a no brainer. Use an advisor who's been there because they're going to be able to help you through that. Absolutely. And especially if you don't know that you will get to go back, it would be such a shame to go visit a destination and to feel as though you didn't make the most of your time. Right. And really an advisor is is going to be there to help make sure that the time that you're spent there and of course your financial investment is going to give you the, the most out of the trip. For those who are getting ready to plan their next trip, how should they get in contact with you? Um, they should check out my website. Actually, on the front page of my website, I have a contact us button, and there's a little new client form. So there's it's going to ask you a few questions about your previous travel, um, some of your preferences, where you're looking to go, um, your travel dates, and of course, who will be traveling with you. And then um, we'll be reaching out to schedule a new client consultation where we can get more in depth and you know discuss how the process would work. Well, we would love to have you on again. I know there's going to be questions from the show, and I know people are going to have more questions about this topic because this is such a fun topic to go over but we'd love to have you again and and as always we just appreciate you being on absolutely sounds great i would be happy to to join in thanks so much thank you thank you thank you if you're feeling overwhelmed or unsure about how to navigate these volatile markets we encourage you to reach out to us at rpa wealth management our team of experienced financial advisors are here to help you plan for your retirement and make the most of your savings and investments Don't let the challenges of last year derail your retirement plans. Contact us today and let us help you get back on track. 
And as always, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of Retirement Plan Playbook. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Click the following button to be notified when new episodes become available. To get in touch with our team, call us at 909-296-7977 or visit our website at www.rpawealth.com to schedule a complimentary consultation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RPA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.